goes through a captain's head when he hears there's low morale going around is... What'd I do? Is it all my fault? Well, he's probably right. Most of us have been together a long time. There are others that were here before that. Do you all not like me anymore? I mean, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. Look, if you're not against me, don't cross this line. If yes, do. I love you all. Are you sure? Yes, I am. I don't understand. Why? What do you mean? Wait a second. What are we doing? You said cross the line. If cross the line if you're going to quit. Oh. Do it again. I misunderstood. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thanks for joining Bob and I for our podcast, Thriving in Dystopia. And even though we always try and be professionals, sometimes we swear. So just know that going in. I guess there's no take backs on this one, Bob. So for the fifth time, let's go for it. Don't, don't you want me? Don't you, don't you, don't you, don't. I don't know this song. Oh, man. Okay, can you sing that one in? I sung that one in on tries two, three, and four, Dave. This one was supposed to be it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, we all know the classic one-hit wonder out of the 1980s. What is it, Bob? Uh, oh, Human League is far from a one-hit wonder. Oh, sorry, Zitzman. <laughs> <laughs> Human League, Don't You Want Me. They also had the song Human. By the League? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they had a few other hits as well. Huh? Um, like uh, Frankfurt, Germany? No, that's where they're playing. That's their next tour date. Oh, are they playing in Germany? Yeah, it looks wow. like it. Or maybe they played in Germany um, a long, long time ago. You know the human song, right? Like, I'm only human. Da, 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 da. No, that's uh, the killers. <laughs> no, are we humans or are we dancers? <laughs> no, I don't know any songs. Hey, how's my mic sounding, Bob? It's good. Real good. Good. Okay. Um, I'm going to press the record button. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, man. It's just a joke fest here tonight. A lot of jokes. Yeah. A lot of jokes. So let me check in with you, Bob. You got a nice haircut. Super slick. You're ready for, uh, I guess, maybe Cinco de Mayo. Um, who knows when this episode is actually being recorded. And I'm just curious. What's up, Bob? <laughs> um, well, this is actually a Mother's Day haircut. You wouldn't know, but this one's for mom. Nice. And wow, we are just in the thick of May. This is your birthday month, mom's birthday month. It's it's good to be in Colorado. And yeah, you're not, but I am. It's good <laughs> exactly. to be here. We are starting a new season today and excited for that. I sent you a Google Doc of all of our 
um, gut checks from last season. And how'd we do, Dave? Well, it's just fun to get get out there and make predictions. I kind of feel like I would like to do more of that in my life, you know? Um, and it's also fun to have like a statistician to keep track of all your gut checks over the years. Uh, we did fine, I guess. I feel like should we should we give a few notable ones? Yeah, a few. One of the ones. notable. I mean, neither one of us. One of them was like, "Is there going to be a new state by 2030?" We have nine years for a new state, so we won't know about that for a little bit. Um, one was about air travel, and it seems like we are back to normal. Coronavirus does not According exist. To the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Yep. And I very much like the Derek Chavon um, guilty verdict. That was a nice one. And I could not get the link to the baseball. How'd that one turn out for us? Well, we have to wait a, lo- a while longer. But one of the last place teams is currently in first place of the AL East. Oh, that was the one, right? I was pretty, I felt like Boston was the team to do it, but it's a tough yeah. division. It is. It's maybe the best division, but yeah, pretty good overall. Um, And I think it was funny. I re-listened to one and I think it was the U.S. state one. And I'm like, I'm going to give it my highest prediction of the season. I'm going to give it a six. And weeks earlier, I had given a seven. So I I, I was dead wrong about that. Yeah. Oh, man. My predictions were funny. Everything was either a three or a (laughs) ten. Yeah, that's right. I'm just like, ah, probably not too likely. We'll give it a three or like, oh yeah, that one's going to happen. 10. Uh, I feel like that just really speaks to me as a person. I really need to tone it down a few notches here and there. Yeah. Play, play in that gray area a little bit, Dave. Yeah. I don't think it's for me, Bob, but you know, you never know. Maybe I could give it a try. Maybe I could dip my toe in the gray water. Sounds absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Uh, Did you get into anything over the... Gosh, I feel like we are just slammed, you and I. We barely get a chance to talk outside of the podcast. Yeah. Um, Well, last weekend I did get to help organize at the Sabrosa Really, Really Free Market. The first one that I've helped up at since last November. So that felt real good be back in the swing of things and be doing some mutual aid. Um, and I got some nice little, little items myself from the, the free market. Nice. Which I, I just feel like there should be a free, free market in every community. Um, and I'm still, I'm still teaching. I, I, I'm teaching till June, but I imagine you're almost done with your teaching responsibilities for the academic school year. Yeah, we got seven and a half days left. And I, yeah, we got two parties coming up, you know? Wow. Yep. Tomorrow is a field day party. And the kids earned enough Jaguar paws to get a, a peach tree pizza party. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, peach tree pizzas. Have your personal pan pizza. Yeah, personal pan peach tree pizza party. Dang, that sounds good. Can I get mine with um, Canadian bacon and peaches? Yeah, uh, pineapple and peaches, and only if you're wearing your pajamas. Pajamas. (laughs) Pajamas. Yeah. 
No, we're definitely going to do pizza and pyjamas. It's going to be a hot pajama day. I'm just, I'm just going to say that. It's going to be a sweaty one. What was I saying? Who knows? Um, Who knows? Oh, yeah. We're talking about the end of the school year. I want to I wanna tell you something, Bob. And I don't know. I don't know if you're going to believe this, but I feel like I, I made this decision to do tutoring over the summer. Did I tell you this? No. Yeah. Um, here's the thing about being a teacher. You got to be a camel, you know, teachers are the, the camels and yeah, you find this oasis that most people call summer. And I just feel like summer feels a little bit slipperier as you look at it from the teacher's perspective, you know, like I'll be out. Let's just say May 27th is my out day, but I got to be back in the first day for kids next year is the 16th of August, which is like, dang, can you imagine being back in school mid-August? Mm-mm, no. What, yeah, which means I need like a week ahead of time. So I'm back like August 10th. Um, yeah, but I had this opportunity to tutor some kids and I decided to do it because I feel like one of the things about being a teacher camel is it's pretty high pressure and I wanted to just like, uh, just like stay in practice a little bit, stay like, keep my, keep my chops up because I feel like at the start of the year, I don't want to be like just feeling this anxiety and terror of like, Oh God, I haven't seen a kid in months and I'm just not ready for this. I want to be like, be like, yeah, I've been, you know, I've seen kids all summer and it's going to be okay. So I'm kind of excited about that prospect. Um, we also are going to be in Cleveland for um, a wedding and that's going to be good. And Catch a spiders game? Yeah, probably catch a spiders game. And I would love, I was thinking about trying to get out to Vermont or trying to get out to California, but I think it's probably not going to happen. Nice. Um. Sorry, Bob just put on a spider's hat. I wasn't nice in my lack of travel plans. Um, yeah, but that that begs the question, Bob. Will you be in Colorado this summer? It does beg that question. It's a uh, it's a bit up in the air. I I would like to, and I still. Personally, don't don't love the idea of flying, but maybe by August or September, that'll change. And um, I don't see it happening in July, June or July. But I really do want to get get back. I, I mean, ideally, I'd love to road trip back and and see it. So I'd say I'd put the chances of me being back at sixty five percent. Nice. Well, yeah, I think that one of uh, one of my ideas is maybe we don't need to be traveling this summer because it's going to be a lot, you know. And the idea of traveling is like whew, it's great, and we all want to get out there, but maybe we can just like take a step back and not just like push our pedal to the metal. And that's kind of why I decided to not try and push out to Vermont or to California. Um, I think it's good. I respect that. Yeah, but 
just to let you know, Bob, that that was on my mind and I was trying to get myself out to California, but it's not, I don't think I'm going to do it, but I am going to push for you to get out here. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to cook out for us before we get on cooking? It's cool that you are tutoring over the summer. I like that. Uh huh. I do like keeping a a toe back in the gray water, as it were. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, yeah, I think that's good, and um, I hope you get fairly compensated for your work and all that. Uh, I would do yeah. it. I would do it myself if I had the opportunity. Yeah, uh, it should be okay. I'm getting. Uh, like 30 an hour. So that's pretty good. Um, and it's getting paid through the district and I get to select the kids that I deem to be the most in need of keeping their academics up over the summer. Um, Yeah, there is like this like idea in elementary education of like what level reader is a kid because Elementary school is basically all about teaching kids to read. That's like, if you can teach a kid to add, I mean, the four basics, right? Add, subtract, multiply, divide. And if you can teach a kid to read by the time they're done, then you're like good as gold, right? Yeah. Um, That's like basically all elementary school is. It's about six years of teaching kids to do do their arithmetic. Um, But... I, I, there's this like, there's so many different ways of looking at, uh, where a kid is in their reading level. And I just kind of love it. I love, it's really just like bullshit just to let you know, but I do love it because it's like a way for a kid to like see their own progress. And I, as a kid, I had no idea like what my progress was. Like there, it wasn't like I took a test or I ever like had to do a fluency reading or I could ever see myself progressing. Um, and I don't know if I would have liked it, but I do think like from the teacher's perspective, it's fun to like look at these kids actually growing, you know, and being like, oh, dang, these kids are like kind of dominating a little bit. And yeah, I have one kid that went from a, so a 28 is like the end of second grade. And now they're reading at a 50, which is the start of fifth grade. Wow. That, yeah, that's like a big upgrade. Um, it's also a much bigger battle in a bilingual school, right? Because you're trying to push both the Spanish and the English levels up. And because of the virus, um, the corona pandemic of 2020 and 2021. Coming in? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we just didn't have nearly as much time with the kids. And like, we wanted to get at like at the very, so we focused, we decided as a team to focus a little stronger on English leveling up. And it was pretty wild. I had some, the same kid that went from a 28 to a 50 in English. They went from a a 30 to a 30 in Spanish. Mm. No improvement in Spanish. No. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe it was a 30 to a 34. So it was like, uh, you know, that's like start of third grade to, you know, first semester, third grade. 
But that's not so bad. It's just like, oh yeah, well, it's clear that I focus stronger on English language. But I mean, that's what it was going to be if you have six months of virtual school where you don't have access to Spanish online books, but you do to English, you know? Like, ugh. Anyways, um, I do want to share one other thing with you, unless you yeah. want to react to that. Uh, uh, no, I mean, it's super interesting. I love it. But yeah, keep it going. Yeah. I, this weekend on Friday, well, actually, I'll go back a little bit farther. Um, during the week of my birthday, May 4th week, it is Teacher Appreciation Week. And it's kind of fun because each day there's like a different goodie for the teachers, you know? At my school. So we got like a succulent one day. Another day we got a little trophy. Um, and uh, one day we got like one of the churches like so, like donated to our school. And they got everyone a gift card to Walmart. And I was like, man. So I went on, like, on Friday afternoon and I took my Walmart gift card. And I like was just walking around the store and I ended up buying a Rubik's Cube. Mm. Uh, and I said, you know what? I don't know why I've never solved a Rubik's Cube. And I spent the weekend and I learned how to solve a Rubik's Cube. And it was pretty, pretty fun. Oh, I love it, Dave. Yeah, it's a game that you hadn't. Yeah. That like we, I mean, I haven't done one of those in 30 years. So that's yeah. a good purchase. Yeah, it was good. 10 bucks at Walmart. Uh, enough left over to buy uh, two pounds of Rolos. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, it's kind of a blast. I went from, it took me about four hours to solve my first, first time through. And now I can solve a Rubik's cube in about 10 minutes. And I, I should cut that time in half. We'll check in on you next week. Yep. Thanks, Bob. Well, we better get after this enough, um, enough dilly dallying. Yep. Nice. Enough. Uh, just playing with the gray water. Let's get into it. Yes. Um, well, it's going to be, it's kind of in process. And sometimes we, we have these ideas that we percolate for a little bit and we kind of let them get in the back of our mind. And yeah, I was just thinking about how this world needs some fixing a little bit. And then Julie said, how about another world is possible? for our season theme. And yeah, I just said that to Bob about 17 minutes and 54 seconds ago. And right, right before we hit the record button. So we're just, I'm just kind of curious to hear what you're thinking about another world being possible. I think it's very thriving in dystopia and very good for the show. I love the idea and I love the things that that phrase opens up in terms of thinking. I think it's a very good mind opener, imagination opener. And so I love it. I think this is going to be a great season. Um, And for me, another world is possible. It reminds me of the episode we did a few weeks ago about white people in prison abolition or police abolition. And I believe the key barrier to that is people 
don't believe that another world is possible. And they believe that this is the world and the conditions and parameters of this world we have to work within. Um, Adrian Marie Brown in Emergent Strategies talks about we are in a war of imagination right now. And it's really important for activists to be both nurturing their own imaginations and then spreading that to others. And she says, as a black woman, she's living in the imagination of someone or someone's in the past who imagined her as less than a a human being. And she knows that another world is possible. So it's about, you know, expanding a social movement where enough people believe that another world is possible. So that is exciting to me. And Mm. I'm excited to get after it with you. Nice. That was a good little intro. Um, yeah. Can I ask you a question, Bob? When did you first come across the the phrase, another world is possible? Oh, good one. Yeah. That was definitely during our time volunteering at Left Hand Books in Boulder, Colorado. Socialist bookstore on Broadway, in the Broadway building, the basement of the Broadway building. and. I don't know if it's uh, rooted in anarchist ideas or just more broadly leftist ideas. Um, But somewhere in there, the two expressions that really gripped me were another world is possible was one. And the other one was we can build a new world in the shell of the old one. Those two. Like, yes, those are both very inspiring to me. How about you? Yeah, I I guess when I hear that phrase, I think a lot it feels very anarchist to me. This idea of dreaming and schemer, scheming, walking and squawking as it were. Um I just feel like I I don't know, I'm probably going to mess this up, but I feel like I've heard this description at at one point or another that like Marxism is the tool to tear down the world and anarchism is the dream of what's to come next. And I feel like, yeah, that might be not quite right, but maybe you can uh, help us in a little bit, but I feel like there's this idea that we can get back to as well, where um, you just can't, you can't, tear something down without having some ideas of hope, you know, and letting your, letting your brain wander with that hope and that, like that's planting the seed. It's like all fine and good to like dig up a bed and prep it and get the soil out. But if you don't plant the seed, then you're not going to feel that hope spring up, you know? And I feel like, uh, like every farmer knows that like the most, probably the most exciting time to be a farmer is like, mid-February, mid-March, when you get your Fedco catalog or your uh, great, your Northern Seed catalog or whatever. If you're using Johnny's, that's fine too. Um, But like you get your seed catalog and you get this moment uh, to dream about your garden and your garden space that you want to cook up for for the year. And you're just like looking at these big, beautiful, plump um, brandy wines or 
if you're in California, again, new girls is fine. Um, but like you got these tomatoes or like maybe this is the year you're finally going to plant asparagus. And I feel like that just feels like... And then you have to get down in the dirt and you have to do all the work and you're like, this sucks. And like, what am I doing with my life? And God, my knees hurt. Um, and that's kind of like the Marxism, you know? And then at the end, you get to like reap the fruits and it feels like, ah, this was pretty sweet. Like it wasn't so bad after all. Like we did all this hard work and maybe the hard work was actually the best part of it all anyways. Uh, and maybe the metaphor is dead and I'm just thinking about brandy wines at this point. But I don't know. I feel like I love the the hope, the message of hope. And I feel like, you know, if we look back on thriving and dystopia, the season, the seasons as they unwind into like, I just feel like we, you know, we come out with four or five seasons a year. And I feel like this is like a nice time to come into summer. This idea of like, I mean, spring to summer, right? And we're just going to be like budding. And there's a lot of excitement there for me to dream and scheme with you, Bob, because I feel like sometimes you need to burst out of your shell. That's great. Yeah. The, the hope is so important. I mean, it reminds me that hope, Miriam Kaba, one of our favorites, says that hope is a discipline. Um, and by that, she means it's, it doesn't just happen. You know, people are like, wait, you, you can't just wait for hope or just um, think it's going to come. You have to work on it and it has to be part of what you do in the world. And that, that makes hope. It's like a thing that you make. Um, so, I think the farming metaphor is good because the, I mean, you can get the catalog, but it's all, it's going to also be about how you put that into practice and the daily, the daily work of, you know, germinating the seeds and then, you know, all, all the work of the farming and whatnot. So that's that. I'm curious about when you hear another world is possible. What is, world mean for you there so like what is the world and then what is this other world oh yeah it's funny too because like from like the elon musk perspective you know it's like oh yeah we'll just get to mars like no big deal another world it's right there mars duh um yeah and just a quick aside i feel like i saw this uh this YouTube video of this guy. Um, he does like a news show. He has a beard and he's super unkempt. And I think the show is called like too much news or a bit of news or here comes the news. And he did a 42 minute long section on Elon Musk. And I just, I was riveted. Um, it kind of felt like low budget John Oliver. So oh, nice. I don't know how you're going to Google that or what exactly based on that, but you feel free to pause the podcast the podcast and get up there on the YouTube and try and find it because I think, I think it's good. It's nice to see, like to get a reminder of how these like uber rich and super rich people are um, just kind of screwing us over, you know? And ugh, I got to go down another aside because I feel like it's just too relevant and we got time, right? Episode one, we got time to dream this world, Bob. Another uh, podcast is possible, Dave. There you go. Um, yeah. Okay. So here we, 
we got in, I got into school and some kid read on the back of a book, $13.99. They said, you paid $1,399 for this book? I'm like, no, man, there's a decimal point guy, my dude. And we talked about it and he's like, man, can you imagine someone paying that much money for a book? And so we started Googling stuff because I was like, yeah, I mean, I guarantee you there's books that are more expensive than that. And we found out that the most expensive book ever sold was like Leonardo da Vinci's personal diary. And it sold for like $52 million. And the kids were like blown away by that. And then uh, we look, I was like, oh yeah, but like, that's not, that's nothing. Like there's like stamps that have sold for that much money. And they're just like a little piece of paper. And then we looked up the, the Honus Wagner, like Gretzky 206 card most expensive baseball card. And the kids were just getting so pissed off. And they were just like, what? Who is going to pay like $6 million for a baseball card? It's just a piece of cardboard. And I was like, yeah, but it's like the rarest piece of cardboard. And like, it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I was like trying to justify it. And then I was like, what the fuck am I doing? This is bullshit. Like, yeah. Like the only people that are ever going to be able to do this are these like uber rich Elon Musk and Bill Gates fucks, you know? And it's like, they have so much money that they can own the rarest of every rare thing. Like, it's like, yeah, oh yeah, I own Leonardo da Vinci's diary. It's pretty nice. It's like, it's fine. And it's like, it's just like this concept where it's like, imagine what $9 million could do for a school of like 300 kids. You know what I mean? Or imagine what... Nine million dollars could do for one family, and I know, like, yeah, okay, let's not pinpoint it like that. But like, imagine what one billion of Elon Musk's dollars, or you know, the Bays, um, Daddy Bezos, (laughs) that's what what Albert calls him. Man, all right, one more quick aside. We went, I went into a Whole Foods with Albert, and he just grabbed a. He grabbed a handful of uh, almonds. He's like, don't worry, Bezos has got my back. Don't worry about this one. He just like popped. He was just like eating almonds at this Whole Foods the whole time. (laughs) He was calling him Daddy Bezos. Anyway, too many insides. But I was just like, yeah, you know what? This is bullshit. Like, you all are like, and myself too, I'm like struggling to make ends meet. And it's just like, here comes these like, it's just like, it just like shows everything that's wrong with this society. So in a super roundabout way, Bob, that answers your question. That is the world we're living in. And I want to live in a world where there isn't a stamp worth $9 million. There isn't a Da Vinci. I mean, sure. Da Vinci's book, put it in a museum for all of us to look at or whatever. I don't care. Burn it. Who cares? Um, But just like, don't spend $52 million on this. And these are just like the tip of the iceberg of like part of like the issue. Like there shouldn't, there shouldn't be this excess. This excess is like an issue that I'm like offended by. Anyway, fire, you got me fired up, Bob. Good. You should be fired up, Dave. That's great. This is a great example because it takes like looking at the world, like what is the world and, and then being like, that's fucked up. Like instead, like you just explained, like that a book is worth $52 million. and that your kids are getting pissed off at that. That's great because we take the world for granted. And so I think part of another world is possible is we have to be like, no, this world is 
we don't have to just accept the things that we accept about this world. And then we can start being like, yeah, I want to live in this other world, um, which takes imagination. It takes, it takes life, you know, like so cool that your kids are presenting that because I think kids probably do a great job of thinking about another world as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, because there's like, because yeah, adults have just adapted or accommodated to this world. Um, so it's, it's a very radical idea and it's like gives radical force. And that's what I'm really interested in. It's something that I, th I think just can keep us going. And I think at some point in the season, I'd like to explore the idea of the idealist. Um, and like, you know how, I think when we were growing up, like well, anytime there's like an idea like this, it would get painted as like, oh yeah, that's idealistic. Mm. And then like, there's the idealist and then the pragmatist. And subtly it was always presented like, you can have a little of the idealist, but the pragmatist always wins. Um, and I'd like to challenge all that in this season. So that, that's where, uh, that's where what you said lands with me, Dave. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised with how like I was really just like trying to like teach this one kid in particular. Like I was like trying to like hammer home the point of like why this is worth so much money, you know? And like, and I was like, Oh my God, like I, I'm the one that's looking at this the wrong way. Like it took me a, I mean, I, because I think we all understand why a Pablo Picasso painting is worth a lot of money, right? Or like a Van Gogh, even better, right? Or the Mona Lisa. That's a great example of why the Mona Lisa is worth a lot of money. But it's really, I mean, I've seen the Mona Lisa and it's pretty shitty and it's not that big and it's kind of small and there's always people in front of it. It's just like we've ascribed this like, who knows what we, uh, this like this idea that this is the best thing, you know? And yes, it, it all comes back to the idea of rarity and the idea that it's, there's only one Mona Lisa and, you know, it influenced so much of what came after it, you know, or it was affected by so much that came before it, or it has this, like, it like holds history within it. And I get that. And I like, you know, I, but it's also, and I was like trying to explain this, but then it's like, yeah, but why? Why does it have to be worth so much? And uh, so it was a great moment. And yeah, this idealist perspective is also really interesting to me as well. And I, I think, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you were told this as a kid, but I, I feel like I was told this so many times that like when you're young, you need like everyone should be a Democrat or a liberal. But when you get old, only you're an idiot if you're not a conservative and a Republican. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely have heard that. Yep. And that's kind of another just like stupid thing in the exact same framework as like the pragmatist is better than the idealist. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And ugh, that never struck home to me. And it always made me like so terrified of my future self. <laughs> yeah. Like I was just I'm going like, to be a goddamn asshole. It's like, damn, I don't want to be that guy. That guy is like the person I despise. And it's like so funny that like, that, you know, it felt like a truism, which is a funny expression in and of itself. Like this idea that is like true, 
like inherently true, right? But it's like, <laughs> it's just like this stupid, silly, idiomatic expression that, or like, not idiomatic, but like saying that is not true whatsoever. And anyway, yeah, I like that idea. And I also am wanting to hit on this idea of utopia, you know, as we sit in the dystopia, yeah. I feel like what one of the things we're trying to do is dream up the utopia. And I'm reminded a little bit of a class we took back in college together, Bob. It was called Dystopias with Jam. Um, I don't, was that his name, Jam? No, it wasn't. But we called him Jam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, the professor named, it was taught by Dr. Jam. <sighs> Maybe his name was Jim? Yeah, I think it was James something. And yeah. This one time it just cut off at jam. Anyway, Dr. Jam, we took a writing class together, you, you, I, and Mac Butch. And it was, it was a funny class to take, mostly just to see the different psychologies between me, you, and Andy. But um, yeah, I do remember there was a piece in that class where we stopped talking about dystopias and we started talking about utopias. And we, you know, there are these like different dreams of like the green utopia or the technological utopia. And I've, I'm sure I've mentioned that on the show at some point. Um, but I think I want to get into, I want to do an episode on utopias at some point and just like lay them out there and like think about them and like see what strikes a chord in us. Because, you know, if you and I are dreaming of maybe a green utopia, then it's for sure that. Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are trying to create the technological utopia. That's and right. I do want to like sort of look at those two things together. That's great. Love it, Dave. Yeah. I guess I'll just say one more thing. It's about there's this event at Sabrosa a few years ago. And there's like this long term term anarchist organizer. And he's making the point that like social movements like careful what you ask for because you might just get it. And so therefore you should really ask for what you really want. Hmm. Um, and I think he was making the point that like the like WTO protests of the battle of Seattle days of 1999, like we basically got all those things. Like we wanted like consensus based decision-making and social movements we wanted like the WTO to like fall apart and not be a thing. Um, and we wanted like coalitions between different movements. And I think like, it's like, yeah, we got all those things. And now like, it just wasn't enough. And we, we really need to be asking for more. And so I think that might be a David Graeber thing as well. Like uh, Graeber writes about that. So we're going to have to talk about that on in this season at some point too. Nice. Yeah. Is Graber still around? No, Graber passed last year. Yeah. That's, I remember that a little bit. Uh, that's a shame. He was a good one, huh? Yeah. He was one of your guys. Yeah. You had a trading card of David Graber. Yeah. I think it, I traded it for um, Babe Ruth rookie card. Yep. But it turns out it was a fake. <laughs> nice. Well, I think we're feeling uh, dreamed and schemed out, Bob. Yep. 
I feel like I feel, I feel good. I'm feeling ready for this. Yep. And I know it's, it's, it's going to be a bit of an undertaking. I, I guess one more thing is I do want to say that, um, and I think people that listen to the show know this, but I do feel like one of my ideas was like, I don't really want to necessarily uh, solve problems. I mean, I kind of do. I kind of am interested in this idea of problem solving a little bit, but I think there's there's like a lot of problems with like, or it's a problematic thing to go out there and be like, this is how this problem is solved. And I feel like that right there is, mm, I don't know. It's pretty Eurocentric, like, or it's like very white supremacist to say that, you know what I mean? And very masculine. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I guess I'm not trying to mansplain as it were of like how to solve a problem or how to fix an issue. Um, and I know that that's, I just wanted to clarify that a little bit. I don't know if it needed to be, but um, yeah, there's, there's a, a line and I'm sure we always walk it, but of like dreaming and scheming versus problem solving. Um, but I think it's important. And yeah, I'm not trying to say we shouldn't try and solve these problems. I'm just saying like, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of like the like podcast idea of like these two guys will solve the problem or something like that. But really yeah. like you'd like to just be working with developing questions and playing with those questions and seeing what comes out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Oh God. Yeah. I just don't want to go down the route of Joe Rogan. Let's just say that. We are this close away, this close from being at the Joe Rogan show. <laughs> um, so speaking of which let's go to, as we claim not to solve problems, let's do our new and favorite segment, Bob. You ready for it? <laughs> Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, well, let's see if Nadir will come up with anything for this. It's gonna be a quick fix. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna try and fix this real quick. Uh, I'll give the tagline, and we can say it every week. Okay, solving those easy and silly problems in an easy and fun way. It's a quick fix. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right Bob. So, you got it for me yeah i got the problem for you see if you can quick fix it okay <laughs> and uh try not to laugh too much when i give you this problem okay yeah. you're um you're gonna make some pork chops tonight and they're gonna be some breaded pork chops right yeah and you got your bread crumbs yeah you got your flour <laughs> yeah but you're out of eggs <laughs> what do you do dave oh man you gotta get to the fridge you gotta open up that mayonnaise jar <laughs> <laughs> you gotta slather that that pork chop and mayo you're gonna sprinkle some bread breadcrumbs on it and I, you know why not give a little squirt of lemon juice while you're in there <laughs> <laughs> quick fix quick fix well bob i hope i hope all all of our pork chop fans out there got a smile out of that one um 
And hey, if you can't, it works, get the, it works with chicken too, my friend. <laughs> uh, there you go. And if you can't, you know, if you can't find the mayonnaise jar, then why not get a little water? Just get that pork chop wet. <laughs> Does that work, Dave? <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. Dump some milk on there. Probably. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we got that one in the bucket. Good, Dave. Good. Well, Bob, do you want to hit us up with the coordinates? The coordinates. Yeah, we we have so many coordinates. Uh, it's not even funny these days. So I'll just go with what I remember. Email DavePeachtree at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. Let's start with Instagram, thriving underscore in underscore dystopia. TikTok at Dave Peachtree. And we have our website, drivingdystopia.com. Finally, we have Twitter, at bmaze19. We have a new Twitter friend, Kansas City Royals pitcher, Irvin Santana. Oh, baby, the real Slamtana's following us? <laughs> Can you believe it? I don't know That's how amazing. that happened, Dave, but it just seems, just seems <laughs> like fate. Wow. Look up his stats, because... Thriving in Dystopia is a huge fan of Irving. And we oh. love we love we we love all Santanas from Carlos to Irvin, but only Irvin loves us back. So that's right. <laughs> that's great. Hey, one one quick question, Bob. How's that Instagram account looking these days? You ever post in? It's a little bit dusty. A little bit dusty. Yeah. Well, dust it off. Um get the cobwebs out of the ears. Will do, Dave. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Another week, another dime. Oh, better get a new theme song rolled out, huh? Absolutely, Dave. We'll, we'll see what we come up with. We have no idea. All right. Love, love you guys. Love you, Bob. Great season, Dave. Great season. What's up, driving crew? Bob and Dave want to take a second to thank you for lending them your ears. They also want to thank the artists for making everything a little more beautiful. The intro song is In Heaven by Drake Stafford. Our audio is edited by the consummate and dexterous Nadir Chayech. Web design by Chris the Mixer Sawyer. And of course, visual art is by the prolific and enigmatic Joe Shine. Our new outro song is Box Goldberg Variations, Variato 3 a 1, by Kimiko Ishizaka. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.